what is going on, Tudo Nation? How are y'all doing? How are y'all doing? It's um, late summer. Late summer. Late summer. Um, we still are... feels like it's hot in the middle of the summer. So. Today was a little bit better, um, but but I also realized that my classroom was the same temperature as it was outside. Like, um, oh my gosh. So that wasn't popping. I did not even know that. How, what temperature is your classroom right now? Uh, when I looked at it this afternoon, it was it was a solid eight. It looked like it's hard to tell exactly what it I is. I mean, room one twenty three was always the coolest place in the building. Yeah. Oh no, my old my two hundred one B with that air conditioning <laughs> after they installed it, it got you cold. Know, you know what I started? So you know, what I started saying to my students when they would complain about how hot it was in, in my classroom. They'd be like, Mr. Why is it so hot in here? And I'm like, because I bring the heat, y'all. They're like, stop it. Because I bring the heat. And they're like, like, and then I and then I steal from Jay-Z. I'm like, it's because I pack heat like the, like oven, the door. oven door. <laughs> and they're like, you stupid. Um, you can't call your teachers stupid. Only we can call each other. <laughs> so in case you forgot that we have a podcast. We are two dope teachers and a mic. We are back together. We are reunited. United and, and it, it feels, feels so, good. so good. It does feel good, man. It's been such a wild like month um, and summer and year <laughs> and everything. But Every you are day, listening. It just gets to, wilder and wilder each day. It, do, it does, man. It's like it, it like and right now things seem okay, but I've I've got Rona whispering in my ear, like talking about, hey, don't get comfortable. I've got you. Get, get comfortable you. when you least expect it. <laughs> Don't say and that, man. I already manifested the first pandemic, so I'm not. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even worried <laughs> anymore. Like it's gonna do what it's gonna do. But <laughs> welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and uh, Mike. I am Gerardo Munoz. I am Kevin Adams, and we are merely two public school teachers here in the city of Denver, coming at you via Zoom, via Apple Podcasts via Spotify podcasts, via the internet, via Twitter, via Instagram, via Facebook. What what else are we coming through? What, what, live and direct from whatever. Live and through, direct. Through the source. Through the source. That's right. We are the source. You don't even know. Um, you can find us on all those platforms. If you want to hit us up on social media, we're at 9,400 Twitter followers, man. I would love to get us. Let's get 10K. to 10,000. 10K. 10K. We just need 600 people out there. Don't you only have to listen to the podcast. Just subscribe. Just follow us and be done with it. Like it, it, it won't hurt. It's some good stuff. And uh, Kevin's yawning right now. It's been. It's Why been are you going to sell me out? Why I'm not sell selling me out? you out. This is real teacher life. This is this, real it's, teacher it's life. Late. Am I right? I've been I've been doing it. I've been I've been chefing all day. Yeah, you have been. And been, you, you whipping it are, like a stir fry, like the Migos say. <laughs> stir fry is a really good analogy for what's happening right now. Um, you are you're two thirds of the way of replacing me, bro. I, hey, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, that the legacy. You, you know, are irreplaceable. You nah, know. nah. You know well, irreplaceable you know by that. anybody but you, bro. Like anybody but you. You, could, <laughs> you, you. They'd be like, Munoz who? I don't know who that fool was. All I know is about Adams and that heat that no, he packs. Oh, oh no. And, oh, no. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so how is, what's it like um, being me? <laughs> So in, so in case y'all don't know the context, Kevin has moved into my old classroom. 
Kevin is and, teaching uh, my teaching old class. His old class. <laughs> Weird. Um, how is it? How is all of it? You know, your your room your room has done me well. I got I'm getting compliments on it. People say it's better than my old room. So I'm, I'm it's like, better okay. than what that room used to be. too. I, so. I, I know. That's the thing. I was like, it, all the rooms look better than got redone. Like, yeah. Oh, that's not what I mean. I, I just mean that you have things put away. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike me. So you have moved. But it's into- good. There's good vibrations. You know, you can feel the energy. There's yeah, good. Trying to you know, like, it's, it's a solid, sacred space. So, you know, I'm Love teaching it. world Love history. Right. So it's like. After, you know, you, you have like constant, you have, uh, you know, the church in Istanbul that gets taken <laughs> over right. by yeah, the, the Muslims, right? The Hagia yep, Sophia. Right. And yep. so the, the, the vibes, you know, it just builds, it echoes. And yeah. so I, I'm just trying to add, I'm just trying to add to it. Yeah. You know, I, I want to ruin it. I want to ruin found, it. Have you found the videos of the cat that lives in the Hagia Sophia? I have not. I have to look. Oh, yeah. These. There's there's a cat that lives in the Hagia Sophia. And it's probably a whole lot of cats. Um, but but it's like it's it's become part of the whole like vibe there. That's not going to help your students do well on the AP exam. But I always like to talk about the hey, cat in the Hagia It's Sophia. important that people 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 <laughs> like that. People like that stuff. They do like that. No, it's been weird not teaching AP World History. Um, that was my life for 12 years. And um you know, it's been really odd, but I I decided that as I attempt to pursue a PhD, um, shout out, thank shout you, out, thank you. I'm only gonna make my, my students were all excited because they heard and um and they're kind of like, dang, do we have to call you Doctor Munoz? I'm like, only the people who don't like who I don't like that's have it. to call me Doctor Munoz. That's the rest it. of y'all just call me call me what you always call me because when it comes to y'all, I'm with the people. With them, it's like no, it's Doctor. That's doctor. right. Okay. That's right. You know, yeah. So I'll be starting that up. And um, it, it's it is really nice to see you stepping into that, like the way that you're, you've been feeling about it is how I was feeling about it when I first started. Uh, like, oh, man, the world is a big place and world history is a big thing. There's and, a man, lot. I'm, I don't know if I can do this, but um, but you're going to be great, man. It's going to it's going to be dope. And and you're teaching sixth graders. So that's always a really fun. Like, <laughs> um. Uh, what's the word? Uh, counter? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, nah, but Whatever. it's been interesting. And, you know, I think I think what we'll probably uh, bring you all is an episode with just the two of us where we start, you know, kind of breaking down what this beginning of the school year has been like. Um, I, I think you and I both have a lot to unpack in a future episode. Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll kind of get there. But um, but today we got a, a really amazing guest for all of y'all, don't we, Kev? Yes, yes, we have an amazing author who has yes. written an amazing book that I think is like powerful, powerful. Yeah. And I think you will think it's powerful too. And you will want to go out and buy it and read it immediately. And listen to the EP because there's an EP. And listen to the EP. To so yeah, so a few weeks ago, I got an email from um, from his, his agent um, and saying that, you know, he's asking it, Hey, do you want to have a great guest on your podcast? And I love, I love, I love how that, that energy is saying, man, your podcast needs me. That's and, right. Uh, so uh, Jared Armstead Jones is the author of my invisible father. Um, it is a work of literature that's geared towards uh, young adults and adolescents, but it's also a great read for adults. It's a quick read. Um, it's really engaging. And, you know, um, 
when you went when i got this message about this published author i'm like oh man what's this dude gonna be like like i don't know so but then we met and then we just had this interview and what a kind loving humble creative soul thoughtful intelligent wise and and i feel like bro did you get the feeling that he is like a version of us yeah you know i i think you know we vibe we vibe together we vibe because I feel like the music part, like it, I was like, oh, okay. So like Kevin, you are a musician and an educator. And he's then like writing, us, but he really did it. But he actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've, you've been, both of you have been more successful in your art than I have. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you actually have a band that actually plays places. I've made $400 playing music. See, you have made hundreds of dollars as, uh, as a musician. That's right. I have made diddly squat as a writer <laughs> hey hey it, hey it's all the change is just around the corner we, no, hey. that's right that's right and you know this conversation we both found it really inspirational and uh motivating sparking in sparking yes in sparking don't know that word you're about to you're gonna you, you gonna find out and then you're gonna be like at the end of the podcast you're gonna be like dang and if i don't know now i know now i know <laughs> Um, but we would love for you to follow us. Uh, check us out at Two Dope Teachers on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Email us, twodopeteachers at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast in these times when we are really just trying to, we're trying to bring you stories. We're trying to get the capacity to do that. Head over to patreon.com slash twodopeteachers. Um, at the $5 level, you get all kinds of bonus sort of uh, materials and for the next month only, there'll be a little, a little gift that will come little with gift. your membership. Little, little gift. gift. Little gift. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, we hope you enjoy this interview with Jer Armstead Jones, and uh, we hope you head out and buy the book. Um, let's hop right in, shall we? Let's do this. All right, y'all. We are here. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It is why... You downloaded this podcast today, wouldn't you say, Kev? That's right. That's right. The big so, guest. The the big guest. So this is super exciting. Uh, we are here with Jer Armstead Jones, uh, author of My Invisible Father. This uh, wonderful story that um, that he's going to tell us a little bit about, but he's not going to tell us everything about it because y'all got to go out and get this book. That's y'all right. Y'all got to go out and support this author, right? So Jer, welcome to Two Dope Teachers and a Mike. Uh, glad, glad to be here. Glad to be here with you guys, man. For real. Yeah, we're yeah. glad to be here with you, being here with us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, yeah. So let let's kind of get into it because because you have a couple of things that I think are really interesting. That so this is a podcast that um, initially is set up to tell the stories of educators of color and what's happened over the last couple of years is it's grown because educators of color are no longer just in the classroom, no longer just showing up, punching the clock, you know, doing lessons, coming home um, and taking care of ourselves. Um, Some of us have other interests and uh, just so much that I think will be fun to get into. But I guess the first thing that I think we want to know is um, what is it that in your own kind of background that kind of brought you into education, first of all? Um, did you come from a long line of teachers? Did you mm-hmm. <laughs> <Is that> the <laughs> reaction? <laughs> He's nope. like, oh, um, not really. 
No, I, I, I mean, I, I would bet my house on I'm the first in, in a long lineage of, uh, of teachers. Like, you know, it, that wasn't I didn't see it growing up. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think I, I um, the first thing that, that kind of interests me in, in teaching was uh, my seventh grade teachers. I had a couple of seventh grade teachers that that just kind of made education fun, kind of, yes. you know, made me the way I was feeling when they taught me, I wanted other kids to feel that same way. Um, I loved how my seventh grade English teacher, language arts, as we called it back then, she was just uh, so um, enveloped in our work. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it was my writing. Like I never thought I was wanted to be a writer, wanted to teach writing, up until that point but in the seventh grade when she when she would you know encourage me about my writing I said hmm maybe this is something I want to do so I, I wanted to do both say. yeah I wanted to teach people how to write and I wanted to write you know so uh that was that was the first part um but I'll say as I as I became an adult and there's a long story there where I I went to school right away uh after high school graduation and I went to a teacher's college play basketball, full scholarship. There you go. And after that first year, you know, I played well, um, but I just kind of changed my whole mind of thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, I no longer wanted to, to, to teach. I wanted to pursue that, that writing um, that, that was instilled into me. Because up to that point, I had written for my school newspaper in high school. I started writing lyrics, you know, with some of the guys I hung out with. So it was yeah. just like, it was just infused in me. So after my freshman year of a successful freshman year, freshman year playing ball, you know, doing well in, in, in classes, I decided to just pivot. And uh, I ended up um, um, getting another scholarship to another to another school. And then I started writing, started writing for that school paper, taking creative writing courses. Wow. Um, so it kind of switched. So me being a teacher right now is kind of crazy because if I would have stayed on that road, I would have started teaching at 23, 24 years old. Yes. But I went a whole different route and ended up being a um, uh, youth uh, youth minister at a church. Okay. Um, okay. And I left there and ended up being in a juvenile facility, uh, over seven, 13 to 17 year old boys. Oh, wow. And it was then I said, you know what? I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I enjoy speaking life into these kids. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't want to be doing that for the rest of my life. So I said, you know what? Let me go back to school. So at 37, that's when I got my master's in education. Wow. That's dope. It's kind of a circuitous route a little bit. Absolutely, Um, yeah. Kev, as I listen to Jer talk, I I feel like... (laughs) I feel like he's the road that I chose not to travel. <laughs> that you didn't want to go. You're like, I was I'm like, gonna be a journalist. I'm, uh, like, I'm gonna no, uh, that's uh, that's but no, hard. I mean, shout out though. That's that's the hard part, you know, because I'm I went to school as a music major and I I'm I'm a musician, I play guitar. And I think you know, we all you have that art passion part of you, you know. Yeah. And 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 then you have like this other part where it's like, what where am I gonna ground in reality and where can I get to? I gotta pay bills and and do yeah. all this stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, but I think there's something powerful to a teacher who does the work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 having a teacher, and I've had 
teachers who are also writers, right? Mm -hmm. There's something special that they can convey about a love and a passion of language, you know, and, and, and what that all means, you know, that I think, you know, it's interesting that you're teaching seventh grade, you know, and your passion. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Starts in seventh grade, you know, and I I love that, you know, that you're like, I want to give that same feeling. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you do to spark that passion and that joy in writing that like you, you had and you experienced growing up? What are some of the things that you do in your classroom? Bro, hold on. I feel like you just made up a word in spark. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, that's great. Trademark. It's spark. Let's get a trademark because I'm yeah, gonna use a uh-uh, that. That's it, y'all. Y'all, hey. don't you use that? I I'll spark. give y'all. You have y'all have my express written consent. <laughs> if it really oh, blows just up, us, just us. If you start putting it on T-shirts, I need to see a check. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Show him some money. Um, make sure he's compensated. Yeah. So no, this is a great question because I think a lot of our listeners. Um, we do have a lot of middle school, uh, listen, not well, middle schoolers who listen, not as many of those middle school educators who Mm -hmm. listen. So what is it that you do that kind of gets that, uh, gets them engaged, gets them excited? Yeah. So, you know, even before I even, you know, wrote this book or even started writing this book, I would always use personal stories from my life to convey messages on skills especially when it came to writing, right. um, you know, with my kids. So if we're, we're writing, if they're writing a short story or if we're learning about um, using different types of language or, you know, here's, here's one for you. Um, when when, when we, we teach our kids to, to, to write a short story, you know, after the story and doing, during the revision um, portion, we tell them to make sure to cut out everything that really doesn't need to be there. So what we call that is uh, house on fire. And basically what we say is if your house was on fire, what are the one, two or three things that you would grab and just get out? And I I relay that because I was in that actual situation before where it looked our house was about our was in a townhouse and it was about to catch on fire because the garage was on fire. And my wife and I woke up at two or three o'clock in the morning. It was like, okay, let's just grab this, this, this and go. Wow. So I use and only an educator would be like, yo, my house is on fire. I can use this in my class. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. It's so wild, but it's so on brand yeah, for us I mean, educators. And, and I show pictures. There was a news yeah. report, so I show them a video. So I incorporate the media. I show them pictures of our wow. of the front siding and um, my wife's uh, car that was melted. You know, so that just- Wait, the car was melted? Yeah, it didn't catch on fire, but the heat- yeah, melted. Melted. Really? Wait, y'all seem y'all both seem up. to understand how this works. I, <laughs> you're, like, you're not following. I'm like, wait, like, like melted. Well, not the entire part, but just no. I mean, yeah, back. yeah. The back, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the back of the car, the lights melted, and it was it was crazy, man. That's and wild. Uh, it captivates okay. them. They're looking at these yeah. pictures yes. on the screen, and hopefully, they get that what we're trying to talk that when you're when you're writing a story, I know you have great ideas, you have wonderful ideas. And I'm learning this myself as a writer, going yep. through all the research that, hey, you might like a lot what you wrote, but a lot what you wrote shouldn't be, be in this book, you know, so I kind of convey wow. that message, you know, so I've always used personal stories, 
Um, I started off writing little short stories and presenting them as mentor text. Um, I would grab other cool. professional, yeah. professional mentor texts, but I always throw some of mine in there as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's just kind of how I've always tried to implement that that passion. I love that. Like I think I'd like because I think as educators, whether we've been at this for our most of our adult life or whether we kind of took the same kind of route, like we have life experiences yeah. and we have experiential knowledge and and kids really do like learning just stories and learning about us. And, you know, especially right. I feel like seventh graders are super curious about yes. who you are and what yes. you're about, yeah. where you came from. Absolutely. And so what a great idea to tap into your own genius um, in order to do that. Um, that's pretty amazing. So so seventh seventh grade, you you had this this teacher who kind of instilled this love of writing for you. Um, what was it that this teacher specifically did that got you really thinking like, no, oh, this is actually something I can do. Like, this is something I'm good at. It was so simple. Uh, I remember writing an essay um, and she came up to my desk. She read a little bit of it and she says, this is good. Don't stop what you're doing. That simple. Wow. That's wow. simple. And, and at that point, I had never written anything and thought to myself, this is good. Until mm. she said that. And wow. when she said that, I immediately say, man, maybe this is good. Maybe I should continue doing this. And that's just kind of sparked, insparked, insparked, what is it? It sparked. Uh, insparked. It insparked you. That sparked <laughs> something in me, man. So um, I remember, you know, later on that year, uh, or the year later, I believe, um, I remember just writing stuff for no reason at all. Like I would be at home and uh, I would listen to a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game or watch it on TV. And then after the game, I'll get out my notebook and I'll just play the role of a journalist and just write out a story. Uh, that's great. Wow. Didn't give it to anybody. It was just like, why am I doing this? But I just did it. I did it. I constantly wow. did it. And um, that just kept fueling that fire, that writing fire in me. Wow. Did anybody know you were doing this? Like, did anybody oh, see these no, writings? No, wow. Oh, no. Yeah, you're kidding. like, no, keep that low. Keep that I wouldn't tell low. my homies. I wouldn't tell my homies. No, man. <laughs> no, because you know your no, homies no, will clown you. Nah, nah. Was, They're like, what are you too. doing? Right, what yeah, you doing with way. your little notebook over there? You got your little notebook. Nothing. <laughs> write rhymes. Write rhymes. Yeah, write rhymes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's something I did, man. I love sports anyway. And that's where yeah. I wanted to go. I wanted to be a sports writer. I wanted to write, uh, uh, be a journalist. And, you know, so I, I had the sporting news, I had Sports Illustrated. I read the newspaper at 12, 13 years old. I'm reading yeah. front to back newspaper, man. So that's where I, yeah. where I was. We would have been boys. I feel like I was doing the exact same thing. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like, like I, I noticed when, like late in elementary school that that the the white boys in my like class they would like chop it up at lunch about monday night football like they would always watch monday night football and then they would pretend to be like howard cosell and like mm -hmm. everybody else and they would mm -hmm. like do this whole thing and i was like i want to be a part of that conversation so i, I started reading the sports pages I, I think in eighth grade i like started my own fantasy football league like wow. <laughs> and i was just kind of like like i have a theory that i invented fantasy football like because we I, were I support looking at that these theory. pages and, and I was like, ooh, because I remember because this is when the Broncos were getting blown out in Super Bowls. 
And, but they would publish the rosters like, yo, and there's a pro bowl roster. And what if we had all these dudes on teams? And then we like did this whole thing. And so like, but that, that was, that was how I fell in love with writing was by reading sports writing and mm-hmm. like, you know, aspiring to do that. Difference between me and you though, is that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not. Um, <laughs> but, but that, that's cool though. That, that's, um, that's amazing. You like, it, it like what you said, it just, it was just this little thing that a teacher did. Um, and it just kind of lit this fire that's burning to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember, I remember the day I remember wow. her peeking over my shoulder, you know, and it was just like, so when I'm walking around and I'm pe- peeking over shoulders now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give that positive feedback no matter what, you know, yes. yeah. Uh, before even I say one thing negative, you know, where's your commas? Where's your period? Before I even get there, it's like, I like that story. I like where that's going. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Even if that person doesn't even think that they're ever going to write anything, at least that's going to help them get through that school year and maybe get through their next few school years and say, well, Mr. Jones says, okay, so I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep getting there. That's it. Yep. That's it. That's That's dope. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I you were no, so I was, I was going to say, too, that, that you saw our friend Brooke Brown, who's um, Washington State Teacher of the Year, talks a lot in on her on her platform about being a good ancestor and that, you know, what that teacher did for you was like being a good ancestor, what you're doing for, for your students. Mm-hmm. Um, what's um, this is going to get a little bit deeper, but what's what is writing to you? Like, uh-huh. what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me or what does writing mean? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> to both of those. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the not so deep uh, answer. To me, writing is um, expressing, expressing yourself in a way that others can um, grab hold of. Um, you know, even in the, the book that I wrote, uh, before I wanted to be a, a nonfiction writer, I wanted to write some nonfiction stuff and I wanted to write it on parenting. That was going to be my, my first book. I'm going to write something on parenting. Uh-huh. And then I realized that these kids that I'm teaching are not going to grab hold of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what, what do you, t- what, you know, that's, that's out of their league. They're not thinking yeah, about well, Yeah. <laughs> but I realized that I can write a book about parenting that they don't they they don't even know that's what the that's what the book is about that's what the book is about that's right that's right it it hits home to where you are as a as a 12 year old as a 13 year old as an 18 year old when i'm showing you these issues and why parenting is so important because these issues that we have in our world and our society and our community and now you see that this is not just a book about three teenagers this is a book about three teenagers and it's a book about how important parenting, how important mentors are, so that even after you turn 18, 20, 25, you think back and it's like- That story's still with you. There it is. Because now I can be a mentor. Now I can be a great father. Even though my father may not have been great, now I can be a great father, right? Because that story is kind of sticking with me. So something you can hold to. Even, let me think about it. Almost every rap song that you know by heart. Yep. You grab hold of it. We can, we can, a, a song from 1985 could come on right yep. now and we will know every, every lyric. Ain't heard it in, in years. That's the truth. That's the truth. Because we truth. grab hold of to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's deep. That 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 that's not the type of answer that you know that I anticipate. Like, and and not that I had like an idea, but um, but the idea that you know, very simply put, writing is an act of communication and connection. Mm-hmm. And um, and and you know, I think this what you've done, you know, and this is, uh, and we'll get into the book in a little bit, but it's a story that's meant to be for young readers, right? Like adolescent readers so we're talking like middle school into high school um and you know we all three of us have taught secondary and it is not easy to convey a message to middle schoolers (laughs) like like if you can do that in a way that they get and that they grab onto like that's real successful that's a big communicate communicate with seventh graders you can communicate with (laughs) almost anybody anyone (laughs) this is the truth this is the truth uh-huh. God's honest truth. <laughs> is is there an extent to which like um your presence as a, as an author is informed by kind of the lack of authors of color that are presented to young people? D- have you have you seen yourself in that role as saying there's plenty of authors of color? It's just a matter of whether schools and teachers are putting them in front of their students. Does that motivate you in any way? It does because, you know, my district um, is really trying to push, uh, and I'll say not just our district, but the ELA coordinator, um, the ELA teachers uh, in in my school, we're really trying to push diversity with the books um, uh, that we are presenting to our kids. Uh, And by doing that, we are exposing them to something that I never was exposed to as a young kid. When I was 12, 13 years old, I mean, again, I had a great teacher who pushed me to writing, but I cannot cannot remember one chapter book that I read in middle school. I'm sure I did, but they didn't stick with me because who were the authors? What were they talking about? They weren't talking about what I was talking about, Mm -mm. you know, so you know, I didn't really, I really, I didn't really connect with, with chapter books in middle school. And in ah, high school, I, yeah, I, just read, I just read what they told me to read in, in, yeah. in high school, right? And so, as you say yeah. that, like, I am not, I don't even remember reading books in middle school. Like, like, I think there were books I was interested in. I read books because the white kids had books and it's like, oh, maybe I'll read a book, you know, and, but, um, but <laughs> I don't remember any of that. And I think um, the first time I found myself exposed to an author of color was senior year in AP literature class when my teacher, Miss Marsh, included um, Bless Me Ultima on our reading list. That was it. That was and, it. And it was just crazy. I even had, I even had a, a social studies teacher tell me that the reason we don't have like Chicano literature classes at the school is because because mexican-american people don't really write stuff you're like wait what no <laughs> i didn't have it i i didn't you didn't have I the didn't context it, yeah because yeah, i didn't have, you didn't have the I, context I didn't have the, I didn't have the knowledge to push back and and it made me mad but i didn't have anything i could say about that and yeah. so so that must be so this debate over the canon um must be kind of interesting for you yeah or have you have you been following any it's a big twitter fight um, but I don't know. If uh, <laughs> no, I haven't been following that at all. No. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's to better see. for your health. In <laughs> some ways, I mean, I, lo- I love Twitter. Like, I-, I really do. And actually, if I took all the tweets that have come out on the Two Dope Teachers platform, I probably have written a book. But you know, <laughs> no, nobody's trying to read my tweets. But, but the, 
but it's interesting because there's a, there's a big debate and it goes all the way up to the NCTE about mm-hmm. should we be disrupting this canon? Should the canon be abolished? Should it be amended? And there are some very strong feelings on either side. Do you find yourself in any part of that conversation that's happening? Uh, not really. I know our district had um, some issues. Well, some parents had some issues with the way we're trying to go um, with our uh, some of our curriculum. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and here in St. Louis, there have been districts who have been on on the news and there's been a lot of a lot of split. There's been a lot of controversy. Um, but, you know, our district had a little bit of that, but not much more um, yeah. but there. You know, this whole curriculum of really trying to teach and preach diversity uh, has has really hit us in Missouri totally, you know. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of stayed out of it and I'm just going to do what I do. Like, for yeah. real. That yep. seems like the smart yep. thing to do. Yep. <laughs> it's That's like, it. I'm not going to not going to draw any attention, just going to do the right thing. And, yeah. Uh, and follow that yeah it's been really interesting and and um you know hopefully we get to this point you know the, these these nationwide um all this kind of manufactured outrage around um yeah. what people are called i i hesitate to even call it critical race theory because that's not really what they're mad about <laughs> um but uh you know it makes it seem really difficult but at the end of the day like we do what's right for kids and we do what's right, right. for the kids in front of us so yeah. um well let's let's get into the book yeah 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 talk a little bit about the book yeah well um it's, this book took me six years to write um and most of the reasons because I just couldn't do much writing during the school year like I just mm-hmm. didn't have the capacity nor the time um I also <laughs> I also work part-time at a library which for me <laughs> is like the best part-time job ever right yeah um, but to add that on to it, I just I just couldn't do much writing during the school year. So it took me a long time, but I, I'm fine with how long it took because I was able to take my time and make sure I get it right, you know. Um, but uh, this book is called My Invisible Father, and it really follows the life of, of three teenagers set here in St. Louis, um, different uh, economic backgrounds. Um, uh, and one thing I tried to do is you know, it's it's a it's a it's a story about the street, but I also tried to show that not all street guys, not all African American guys who are in the street are dumb. Yeah, like yes. some of them have some some intellectuals, you know, yeah. in their, in them, and I want to show that too in this book. So I really just kind of put a lot in a little bit, right? This is a small short book that anybody can can get rid of in in you know a day a day and a half. Um, but I put a lot of little nuggets in there um, that you can take with you and just really ponder and think about um, as a as a uh, teenager, young young teenager. And I've gotten rave reviews from adults too. You know, I've had plenty of adults who you know, 50, 60, 70 years, 70 years old, is telling me how much they like the book. And I'm like, yeah. well, I wasn't even writing it for you, but hallelujah, you know. Kev Kev saw the reviews. Yes, yes, oh, you, you got. I see. Uh, five star rating on Goodreads. That's what I'm so, saying. So there we go. You, you roll yeah. it in, bro. Yeah. yeah. 
So no, yeah. the Goodreads people are ruthless too. So that yeah, that's they a are. Going like, <laughs> there, I'm like, I don't know if I want you talking about my book, bro. <laughs> exactly. Just buy yeah, it, read it, it, and keep it to yourself. Hey, hey. <laughs> you're perfect right now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Got a no hitter going right now. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but you know, as a baseball fan, it's always hard to keep that up. That's the pressure's on. That's the pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. I'm so I'm, I'm so happy about this book. Um. I use some of my my own background. You know, for me, I grew up without my uh, biological father. Uh, you know, when I was born, you know, North Side St. Louis, roughest part of, of the of the city. Uh, my father was a, a, a great basketball player. Um, led his his team his his uh, team to state championship. And uh, after I was born, a couple of years after I was born, he, he left um, to go play at Michigan State University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mom didn't really like that. She, I mean, she's still in high school. She had me when she was 15 years old, mm-hmm. you know, so she had it rough, you yep. know. Yep. Although yep. We had tight-knit family, you know, my grandmother and, and aunts and uncles, um, but she, she just longed to have my father there in the picture as well. So even, you know, when we think about fathers not being there, that was even a whole different situation scenario. Um, he yeah. felt like it was best for him, for me, for her, for him to go to college, get a degree, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. that's the way he play was ball, thinking. Yeah. Play ball, get a degree and do it, you know, and then come back and take care of his family. Um, but it didn't ha- happen that way. And my mom, right. she ended up meeting someone else. So I had a stepfather um, from the age of four, you know, all the way through. And, uh, and remember before I turned three or four, two, before I turned four, I had no recollection of my, I was just going to say like, you wouldn't have so had any, he was there memory. for a couple of years, but I had absolutely no memory. Yeah. So I grew up thinking that my stepfather was my actual biological father and didn't think anything else of it. Um, until I became a teenager, uh, 13, 14 years old, maybe 14, 15 years old is when my mom came to me and said um you know would you like to meet your your biological father <laughs> you're like wait yeah. this is a lot <laughs> <laughs> you know so it was uh it was it was something that uh you know i did not expect um but once they brought it to me and we we went on and and did that you know it was it was the greatest thing for me because i found a piece of me that i didn't even know i had yes and um i feel like that every especially every young man longs for that relationship with a father that they can love and trust and bond with. And uh, that happened to me. And I felt like I was the luckiest person in the world because my stepfather always treated me like his own. So now I have a stepfather who treated me wonderfully. And now I have my biological father in my life as well. And we bonded. He, he is in your life now. Well, he passed away three okay. years ago, but okay. That whole time, you know, from 15 to, to three years ago, wow. uh, yeah, we had a great relationship. He he ended up moving to Chicago and lived up there for a little while, but I would always go visit him. He would obviously always come down here. And uh, so, you, yeah, we he was in my life and, you know, it was it was great. You know, it was wow. awesome. So um, I was I felt like I was blessed to be able to meet him and have him in my life for, I don't know, for 30 some years, 33 years, maybe. Yes. Yes. That's good. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a blessing. It is. Absolutely. It's a blessing. So why, if, if someone were to ask you, why is this book important? Why is it needed? Why is this the time for this book? What would you tell them? Man, 
first thing I tell is I'm 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 tired of all the the uh, and you'll see some of this in the book, but I'm tired of the violence. I'm tired of our our young black men dying, mm. killing, and going to prison. Yeah, I'm just tired of seeing it right because for me that that makes if, if we keep going down this road i'm looking to my grandchildren who i don't have yet yes yeah that they're going to live in a society where you know that they're they're, they're fr- fearing for their lives right and i don't want that i don't want that for anybody's grandchildren we've seen yeah. so many six-year-olds eight-year-olds 12-year-olds dying from gunfire yeah. And I, I'm to the point where I just I just can't stand it anymore, right? Yeah. And you'll see that that same um, vivacious, uh, militant attitude from one of my characters. She's mm-hmm. just like she's tired of it, yeah. and uh, she takes on this militant role. You know, she has her flaws as well, so she has to deal with her own flaws while still trying to get everybody else right. And her good friend the main character of the story is one of those guys that for 13 years of his life, he was he, 14 years of his life. He was that he was a cool cat. He was good. He was, he was, he was in school. He was doing the right thing. And now all of a sudden, because of circumstances, I don't know who my father is. I hate him. He don't want nothing to do with me. My mom out here struggling. So now I'm going to hit the streets. Yep. She's like, dude, you can't do that. You know? So I just want to show that, you know, how important, that, that mentorship to be able to keep these kids from going in that direction, um, you know, before they get there. And because you never know, even good kids can mess yep. around and get out there. I was one. I yep. Was yep. It's easy. It is very easy. I was a good kid. And then one year of my life, I just lost my mind. Right. Like uh-huh. <laughs> I was just out there. And I wanted to see that show that that even in the midst of that, you got somebody you can turn to. There's some really interesting themes that um, interact in your story. Um, One of the thing and you've spoken to a little bit is the idea of male companionship and the complexity of of fatherhood and and how um, the the title of the book actually has multiple meanings within within the context of, of the characters. And, um, and, you know, there's some other pieces that I think are really fascinating to kind of, you know, consider in, in the story. So for example, when, when you look at, lost my page, I have notes, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually, okay, here we go. So, so there, there are these, these themes that, that, that you write about, um, male companionship, mentorship, um, the draw Mm -hmm. of the streets, um, and then there, are, there, then there's like puberty and identity and these different things that young people are kind of struggling with. And what that kind of makes me think about is the way you frame the story reminds me of, um, of how Pedro Noguera, the author of the, the trouble with black boys, um, what he writes about. And he says that this is actually systemic. This is a pattern that we see that, you know, we will see young Brown and black boys, um, you know, they're, they're going along, things are fine. They, they're doing well in school. They're good students are really engaged. And then puberty happens and, and it tends to really exacerbate whatever is going on. So if it's an absentee father, if you are living in poverty, if you are struggling with your identity, um, that those things kind of tend to blow up right around the time that you're sort of talking about. Um, so the, so the question I kind of have for you is, um, 
through the process of constructing this story, what have you learned about, about fatherhood, about male companionship, about this mentorship piece? Yeah, so, you know, going into this, this story, uh, as I've mentioned before, I wanted to write a, a nonfiction book. And the nonfiction right. book was going to be actually titled The Five Fathers of Society. And I was going to focus on biological fathers, stepfathers, uh, adopted father or adopting fathers, um, and also what is the other one? Uh, just mentors like coaches, teachers, yep. right? And the, the final one was, I forgot the final now. Now I, I'm lost. <laughs> well, because that, that, that was six years ago, right? That, that yeah, was that was But I wanted to really show basically that, especially Black men, that we have to step up. Men of color have to step up because if we don't, it's going to be another cycle and there's going to be another cycle. And then there's going to be another cycle here. Here's how I look at it. If we look back at, back to slavery, time of slavery, black men in, who, were in, who were enslaved, they, they were stripped of their manhood. They were stripped of their fatherhood. They were stripped of their husbandhood many oftentimes. So when you have that in your DNA, mm -hmm. it's easy for that to continue. Even if the quote, quote, quote unquote, white man is not doing it, yep. you just have that in your DNA. Mm -hmm. So there's something that you have to do to overcome that, that I just call it like a spiritual generational curse that has happened, even if it wasn't your fault, even yep. if someone stole right. it from you, you have to do yep. something to go get it back. And we have plenty of, of, of men of color, black men, you know, uh, Hispanic men. We have plenty who are doing that, who are, who are doing exactly that. But we have plenty who are not. Yep. And when you don't, that seed underneath you, they're going to see it and they're going to replicate it. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there, there are always outliers. There are always someone who can defy the odds and yeah. I, I applaud them. I salute them. I yeah. feel like I'm one in a sense because yeah. Yeah. Again, my mom had me at 15 years old. My, mm -hmm. my daughter was 16, about to be 17. I can't yeah. even imagine her with a baby right now. Like yep. I can't, but yeah. she, she overcame those odds. Yeah. She did what she had to do. She ended up graduating high school. You know, it took another 12, 15 years later, she ended up graduating college. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not like it can't happen. So I know it can. So that's what part of this book is, that no matter what happens, you can overcome any situation yeah. that you're, you've been placed in, whether it was your fault or your doing, or if someone put that over you, no matter what, you can overcome. Yeah. And as men, we need to be able to step up and help, help especially our young, our young African-American, our young colored guys to, to step up and, and do the right thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, it's true. It's true. It's very yeah. true. Well, one thing that kind of uh, springs to mind for me as, as you explain that, and, and th this is, this is one of the, the wonderful things about the story is that it, it is like highly empowering, right? It's got this really exactly as you explain it, that, you know, the fact that it is possible to overcome these things. Um, 
as kind of Jared, the author who's living in this society right now, how do you negotiate the power of individual accountability and, and choice to step up, as you say, mm-hmm. with systemic realities that mm-hmm. often swallow our people live? Like, how, how do you how do you address those things? Because it's something I've kind of struggled with, um, not as a person, but as an educator, where I kind of see on the one hand, I'm like, man, you got an opportunity to step up like right now. But on the other hand, there are all these things and I often struggle with how to deal with that. How do you think about that in light of, of, of your book? So I, I, the same passion that I just gave you, I have yeah. that same passion with the systemic problems that we see. I yeah. just don't express it because I'm, for one, I'm, I don't, I'm not as educated in those situations. I just see it, I hear it, and I have, a, it. Yeah. I have a quiet passion about it. Yeah. But that's one of those things where in many instances, we can't do anything about it. We can vote, right. we yeah. can protest, yeah. you know, we can write petitions, we mm-hmm. can do those things. But how many years have we been doing that? That's right. That's right. You know, that's right. That's right. It comes to the point where we continue to do those things, but we still have to take our own personal accountability for our families, for our neighborhoods, for our communities, for our schools, for our churches, for our cities, our states. You know, so when we take on what we can in the systemic realm and and do what we're supposed to do in our own realm, yeah, all you can do is hope for the best. All yeah. you can do is believe that it's going to happen. Um, but if we stop doing what we're supposed to do, we, you might as well forget it. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, thanks for that answer. It, it's, it's just so, it is really powerful because I think that, you know, story sharing is, it's a revolutionary act that, you know, every, every meaningful move forward that we've made as a society has been, by sharing stories, by understanding our own stories and understanding the stories of others. And so, um, so those individual acts can actually have, have ripple effects. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I think about you know, what Martin Luther King did um, uh, in this country, yeah. even though that is, those are facts and things that actually happened, it's almost like it was a story. Yeah. I mean, the rhythm in how he talked, Yes. Um, um, and and the amplitude of his words, it was almost like a well-written story. Mm-hmm. And it has carried and carried and carried through generations. So our life is just one big story, you know, yeah. and, and you're the, that character who has the, the ability to impact the people who are reading you. Mm. Let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> powerful, powerful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, Jared, do you want to read us a little, uh, your blurb, a blurb so the people out there can know what, what they need, what they need to get. Again, my invisible father, turn on the light to the unseen. I was going to say, make sure, make sure maybe you could, you could turn on the light to see the unseen with this little blur, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read this because, um, and and this what's so crazy is I didn't write this blur. Um, I had an editor do it because I wanted some after he read the book because yeah. I wanted someone else's perspective to come out of what he read 
to yes. make a powerful statement before um, anyone reads the book. And they look That's at dope. this back and it's like, ooh. So this is, I didn't even read this. I, I owe this to my man, Matthew Arkin. Uh, Shout he out. It. Uh, and I, and I, I can't I can't thank him enough. So let me let me let me go and kick this off. Here we go. Jaron never knew his father. Camry's father is in prison, and Asen's father is as good as gone for all the attention and affection he spares his son. For each of these St. Louis teenagers, the hurdles of adolescence grow higher and harder to conquer by their father's absences. When Jaren gets mixed up with a local drug dealer, his schoolwork suffers, his life is threatened, and his long-standing friendship with his schoolmate Camry is fractured. Camry's desire for a perfect world forces her to look in the mirror and discover her own imperfections. At another school in a better neighborhood, Asen's explosive temper and social awkwardness leads to isolation and alienation. Through the unflinching and authentic voices of these compelling and ultimately likable characters, we experience the stark truth of the socioeconomic issues facing many of today's youth. And as they navigate the dangers of loneliness, poverty, drugs, violence, and begin to realize racial awareness, their stories intertwine in touching and surprising ways that lead to tragedy, awakening, and ultimately the possibility of redemption. There you go. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> Get that book, people. What are you waiting for? Uh, get it. You no. better be on Amazon right now as you listen. You're getting that book. Absolutely. And you can also get it. So we'll, we'll get uh, links up on where you can get this book. There's also a bonus piece. That, uh, yeah. yeah, I want to know. Uh, tell the people yeah. about this book because it's going to prove to be a great segue into the last segment. Okay. Ooh, segue into the segment. I got bars. That's bars. <laughs> <laughs> So, what, so what, what's some of the bonus material, if you will? So um, just a little bit of backstory. I used to be in music when I worked uh, at the church. Yes. Um, I, I had a, a rap group called Infantry. We put out three albums and uh, we was about to kick our fourth one um, when my family got, you know, broke up. Basically, I got divorced, had to sell my house. I had a studio in my basement, uh -huh. I had to get rid of the house. And, you know, I really had to restart my life. And at that point, I just kind of put music to the side. You know, I'm looking for a new job. I got to find somewhere else to live because I can't afford to live in my house anymore. So I just put music to the side and just was trying to, you know, get where I needed to go. And I eventually, again, went back to school, it. got my master's and all of that. Yeah. Well, 2019, I had my book was written and I was about to send it to my um, my editor. And just a real dope idea came to me that when I uh, go out and have author um, talks about the book, it'd be kind of cool to have some dancers and some banging beats coming out with me. You know, I've been, yes. to, many, I've been uh, to many author talks and some of them oh are man. boring. Some yep. Dry. Yep. Dry. dry. You know, even, especially for kids, man, you got to come uh, out with it. Right? You really right? do. You really so, do. That was my first thought. And I was like, well, dang, I can't have a bunch of, you know, I ain't MC Summer. I can't have a bunch <laughs> at of At the dancers. Barnes and Noble. You can't have all these dancers around. at the yeah. Barnes and Noble. People, People trying to get their coffee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, I'm, I can't do that. Maybe I can just, you know, do a little video or whatever. And then I was like, man, dang, dude, I produced music before. Why can't I just do a whole little EP with about three or four or five songs? 
and make that a soundtrack to the book. There we go. So My Invisible's Father has a soundtrack, y'all. I love it. I love it. We and love is it. That, and that's available on your website, right? It is. Right now we have one song on there. Our first single is called um, Hot Heat. Um, we're still in the studio putting down the rest of the songs for the tracks um, for the EP. We got like five more songs and most of them are just about done and we're ready to, to, to master them and send them off. Um, but Hot Heat is that first single and it's kind of like a club banger. And each song has has a little bit to do with something going on in that book, right? Um, we have songs about drug dealers. We have songs about fathers who are who have uh, are are working and so much that they're not um, tending to their kids, you know, ignoring their kids like one of my characters. Um, and this song, Hot Heat, is is about you know making a decision: should I go to this club or should I, you know? And that's what happened to Jaren, the main character. Mm -hmm. Uh, when he went to a club with one of his drug drug dealer friends, that was the turning point in the story. And I'm not going to tell you wow. which way it turned, but yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the turning point. That was the turning point. So this first song, Hot Heat, got a little. It's, it's basically like a club banger. We talk about club. We even talk about church a little bit. You know, yep. yes, <laughs> you can go to church and get lit, or you I mean, can go yeah. to the club and get lit. <laughs> you know, whatever, right? But yep. so that's that's how we this soundtrack is. It's just taking some of the characters, taking some of the plot and just kind of mix it in with the beats and the lyrics and some singing as well. I love it. I love it. Love I it. Love well, it. That does kind of lead us to a very important question that we'd like to pose to you. <laughs> um, Kevin, would you like to uh, do the honors? Yeah. So here at Two Dope Teachers in a Bike, we have a tradition of asking folks their top five now, here's what I'm, I'm going to put some context to it because it's a very controversial question. It you really is. feel a type of way about it. But uh, so your top five rappers, MCs, groups, R&B artists, it, it could, it could ran, run the gamut of what you okay. listen to, what you vibe with. But your top five, it could be the top five all time. It could be the top five right now what you were vibing with. It could be, uh, it is not hierarchical. So okay. just because like you go in an order. Unless you want mean, it to be. Unless, unless you, you want, want it to be. be. I, don't, I don't want to do that, no. Unless you want it to be, because <laughs> that's kind of, you don't want to hurt no feelings. Yeah. And, 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 and then also, in case you can't agree on five, you could have maybe ties for okay. fifth, you know, you could you could have ties we, in um, there. We call we call that the Eric Hale rule. Eric Hale, the 2021. He had an uh, appendix. Texas, Texas teacher <laughs> of the year. He had a bunch of two and three way ties, and then he had an appendix. He's like, well, if it was a top ten, I would say this. But if it was a top fifteen, I would have to say this. So if it was uh, this specific moment in time, yes. uh, yeah. Okay. Shout okay. out to Eric Hale, who makes his own rules. <laughs> That's how we all got to be. Any other context there? Oh, and we we won't come at you on any of these like that's we, right we won't. that's it like that that's that's not what we do we we're not going to ask yeah. you to be vulnerable like this and only to be like shot down like that that would be yes awful. so <laughs> all so right, does that so all make sense this is a highly accountable moment for you jerry yeah, hey, this is this is real real like this right is here. real real uh, yes yes <laughs> so i'm um i'm uh, um man i'm gonna do this <laughs> I'm just gonna say the ones that influence me the most. Okay, right. with music or just you know their lyrics or just me 
you know, being who I am and loving mm. music the way I do. All so right. I'm going to go all the way back to some of my first influences um, back in the 70s and 80s. All, all right. right. So some of you young teachers out there, go go Google some of these. Go, get That's your right. Google, get your Google. Right. It's probably on YouTube at the very least, y'all. <laughs> and and here, here, here's my my here's how I'm gonna start my list. And I'm not even gonna think about how many I have. I'll just stop at some point. All right, all, all right. right. Numbers are like numbers that. are a construction. Like numbers right. are made up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you can't touch a number, right? That's right. That's you right. can't. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. Ooh. Was my my parents played that when they yes. in the 70s, and I grew up on it. And I just, they're just, to me, they're musical magic, magic to me. Speak like, the word. Mm, Speak the word. Earth, Wind and Fire is fire. <laughs> it's <great laughs> fire, right? All the um, elements. So, that bull. I, I, got t- I got chills when you said that. I was all like, oh, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So along with Earth, Wind and Fire, I had to also put Stevie Wonder in. Yes. So there yes, we go. I am loving. There, there's my early seventies, early eighties, right there. Yes, I, I'm the I'm, I'm the same same time period. <laughs> I, records that you couldn't touch, but you always wanted to listen to. Man, come on, because they look <laughs> amazing. They everything about the record. Looked everything cool. about it. Everything about it. <laughs> so I'm go my eighties. I'm um, go hip hop on these eighties. <laughs> uh, I'm, I gotta say LL Cool J for one reason, for one reason. All right. He was the first to do what he started doing. Like he came. Yeah, talk about that. Hard, hard, yeah. hard. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Man, that just yeah. put, that put every that put that put rap on a whole nother on a whole nother yeah. genre right there, right? Yeah, and so yeah. direct, like so direct and simple. Like his approach was just so direct and oh simple, and. Yes. And every, everybody, yeah, and we all felt it. Like, we all knew it. He'll crush you <laughs> like a jelly bean. <laughs> That's right, he will. <laughs> Only LL could get away with a lie like that. Right. Only right. LL could get away with a lie Man. like that. He, he took it to another level. You know, Ron DMC, Houdini, Curtis Blow, they was just all on that same level of, yeah. of how their approach and their lyrics. And they was, you know, well, at least Ron DMC, they, he was dope. The rest yep. of them is all right. Yeah. But hell, to another, uh, no, a whole other level. Another level. A whole another other level. Yeah. So I also got to go with KRS One and P- BDP. Yes. Uh, the teacher. The teacher. Yes. Yes. The philosopher. Yes. Um, so those are my eighty. I mean, he. I grew up on him, and yeah. I had all his albums. I love what he was talking about. I love his community. I love his. You know, even though he had beef with MC Shan, he was still about community. That's was, right. Yeah. You know, he was still about making things right. It was straight conscious rap. And yeah. that kind of put me on a whole nother thought process. And, of, and the whole the whole like focus of like, when, you know, that Brooks idea of being a good ancestor is really stuck with me. And so mm-hmm. he acknowledged those who helped him like like every single track has a shout out to Scott LaRock. And yeah. um, and then but then he's also seen as this as this wise elder that it, that yeah. still has an important voice uh, for a lot of young rappers. And yeah. and there are very few rappers that today's young rappers won't go at. They won't go at Karis one like they won't <laughs> they better not. Yeah, they they'll regret it. He's they like won't. the godfather. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. 
All right, I'm going to go to another. Uh, it's it's kind of 90s, but it's also a little bit of um, up to date right now. So okay. don't, and don't know where you are with this, but I'm going to go to Christian rappers. All right. Okay, All right. let's go. So I'm going to start with the Gospel Gangsters. Gospel Gangsters. Tell us about the Gospel Gangsters. So these are three guys. Actually, it was four at first. Three, three African-Americans and one Latino. He was the DJ. And the three of them were in gangs in, uh, on the West Coast. Two were Bloods, I think, and one was a Crip, or it was the other way around. They dropped the rags and gave their hearts to God. Wow. And started rapping, and it was like the Christian version of NWA. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. I like that. I love that. So they, back in 94, we had some Christian rappers at that time. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say... Just for the sake of not being judgmental, sure. they were kind of whack, but I appreciate <laughs> what they were doing. Yes, yes, I sure. Really appreciate it. Boy, when Gospel Gangster hit, they hit hard. Wow. Uh, they bring it. 1994. Yeah. So I mean, the message the message matters, right? Like the message oh, matters. And, and and I right. think that's that's always the thing to to weigh when we're when we're listening to musicians. It's like what what is it? sound what what is it aesthetically but what is it on a deeper philosophical level i think i think that's deep yeah what are you saying what are you saying and the way they brought it is you know they they kept sagging you know they still had their hair tied yeah. up but they had a different message yes so cats on the street would recognize them be like y'all look like us but y'all saying something different so mm-hmm. let me hear what y'all talk let me about. listen to what you say what you're saying you know so I, I i give all homage to them yeah um, my big homie solo he passed away last year one of Rest the guys from the group but yeah. man they they put it on the map and yeah uh, another one uh dorado you might like this one all right t-bone t-bone okay t-bone. T-Bone is Hispanic rapper from San Francisco. All right. Came through in the 90s. Same deal. He saw it all. And he started rapping about it all. As though. It rings yeah. a bell. I don't, I may have actually heard his stuff. But He's yeah, I'll, I'll look at it again. He did, he did a whole, he did a whole CD with KRS-One. Oh, okay. okay. They did like a, a holy tip, 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 temple. Oh, hip-hop. temple of hip hop. Yeah. yeah. Temple yeah. of hip hop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Don't you know that your body yeah. is a temple? Temple. Yeah. Yeah. There you <laughs> yes. go. Let's go. Let's go. That's All right. right. So I'm going to give you two more Christian rappers who are All up right. to date Lecrae. Lecrae. Yes. Lecrae. And NF. The letter. Yes. NF. Them two brothers go hard, man. And they they kind yeah. of update. They they doing it now. So I, I got all their stuff and I love love listening to it. So oh, man. Here I am. And I'll give you one more, maybe two. All right. Um, well, well, I don't listen to MM no more, but man, that dude back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, not it's interesting because I came back around to Eminem about six, seven years ago. Because yeah. I like I was the opposite. I I could not. I, his delivery was just. It was like it was like nails on the blackboard for me when I first heard him. I was like, I don't know what Eminem is, but that's too Eminem. <laughs> you know? But as I've kind of like, first of all, his his songs are perfect for running. 
because yeah. like the, the cadence is okay. 168 bpm and so uh-huh. like when uh-huh. i started marathon running i'm like why does, nice. why is my whole playlist eminem yeah. and you start listening to some of the stuff and and I, i've come around to respect the catalog you know yeah yeah, um, you got yeah. okay one. you got it he got a deep one for sure yeah for sure but uh i will say my my bet i will say the greatest mc of all time is rock him rock him I'm gonna leave it right there. That's it. Greatest the writer ends with the greatest lyricist of all time. That's how I feel. <laughs> have I you read I'm his a... book? I have not. I have not yeah. read his book. It's good. So the book is called Sweat the Technique. Yeah. And yeah, I think you would that. love it because yeah. it's about writing. It's about yeah. the process of lyricism. And he tells his story, talks about his dad and how his dad mm-hmm. was this positive influence for him. But um, but it's it's brilliant because he really gets into the craft of lyricism and he really gets into his process and what that was like. And so I, I was like, he's, he's going to say Rakim because, because writers, <laughs> writers appreciate Rakim. Writers uh, appreciate what it. Rakim that's does. It. And yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a fire top five asterisk. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's it, numbers are a construct. So uh, Ke- Kevin is judge, jury and executioner of the top fives uh-huh okay okay <laughs> that that works that that's that's good anytime we get new stuff that people haven't heard or is yeah. less popular yeah. i think that's good because it yeah. shows the diversity of of the art you know hip-hop and i think you connect to earth wind and fire and stevie wonder hip-hop is rooted in that, I mean, in that music yeah. it, it is rooted in that that's the ancestors you know it's so I, I like the list. I approve of it. I, I think it's, it, it, it's open doors. The ones that we've gotten. All right. Yeah. All right. Bring it up. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So That's what it. we'll do with this, Jer, is uh, when the episode drops, we'll also drop it with a Spotify playlist for folks to check oh, out. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, so this will be the episode playlist. We'll grab some tracks okay. off of there. Okay. Oh, well, I and, forgot uh, one. I forgot. Oh, you so- forgot one. Yep. Let's get to Soldieristic Entertainment. Put that on there, boy. Soldieristic Entertainment. That's us. That's us. Uh, I wondered. Yes. I wondered. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yes. I was yeah. like, okay, man, man's being man's being humble. He's not putting himself on the list. Okay, we, you know. Ah, uh, you got to yo. put yourself on the list. Uh, yeah, check that out. So, uh, all right. So we we want our listeners to support this work. Uh, we want we want folks to to buy up all the copies of the book so you can retire from teaching. Yes, and, get uh, that book. Get that's that book. So where can people find your book? Where can they find your the other materials? Where can they find you? So um, you can find me on my website. It's jerarmsteadjones.com. The best way to do it is just do J-A-E-R Media Group. Jer Media Group. That's the name of my company where I host my publishing and my production. So Jer Media Group. And if you, if you um, uh, Google that, you're, you're right there. And we'll link uh, you, that to the episode as well, okay. so awesome. you can awesome. grab that. Yep. yep. And uh, so on my on my website, or you can go to to uh, Amazon.com. Um, but I have a link to Amazon. I have a link to Barnes and Noble. I have a link to some local. If anybody in St. Louis is listening, yep. some some local bookstores as well. Yeah. Support local if possible. Support local always. Support local if possible. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm really pushing for that. Matter of fact, I. I had my first speaking engagement and uh, book signing at the Novel Neighbor, one of the local bookstores that I'm I'm promoting. And they're promoting me, so I have that oh, next great. month. 
Yeah. All right. Neighbor. So, so that, that's happening next month. Is that what you said? September 16th. Yeah. September 16th. All right, y'all. Yeah. Uh, check it out. If you're in the St. Louis area, the novel wow. neighbor, novel yep. neighbor, novel neighbor, neighbor. Webster yeah, Grove, Missouri. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Go, go and check that out. Um, awesome. And so are you working on anything at this point? I guess it's the yeah. school year, so <laughs> maybe not a lot. Year, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I got some things in, in working mind. on these kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's been, it's been a, it's been a cool week. Um, yeah. I think more the pressure has been after the bell rings. Like now I have to prepare for the next day. Now yep. we got yep. a parking lot. We got kids, got to get kids on the bus. Yeah. You know, so yep. It's really the stress. The, the stress yeah. ain't going to win from 8.30 to 3.30. No, that's never is. It never is. <laughs> you know. You're so right about that. But, yeah, but, it yeah, never so, is. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really just, I mean, all these podcasts, I've been having so much fun. Just as much fun that's as I great. had on here with you guys. Man, I've been having so much fun talking to, to guys who are, to guys and girls who, who just have this vision to get, get good things out there to the community. Um, so I've just been doing that a lot. Did that over the summer. I've done it a couple of times, you know, since school started. And man, I'm happy. I'm blessed. That's dope, man. And That's uh, dope. I'll be working on book two because the end of my book, you'll see that there very well could be a sequel. So all right, all gotta right. leave it open. Okay. Gotta leave it open. People are gonna want that story. Well, yeah. uh, Jer, I I just personally want to thank you for putting this story out there. Um, I've vulnerability moment coming i i've long dreamt of being a writer and i think listening to your process and listening you you've said all the things that i've needed to hear to begin to trust myself yes, with sir. uh with writing and so um i just sure. humbly thank you for sharing your story and being so generous with with your time and your wisdom so thank you for joining us today i, I appreciate it this again man it's so much fun you know you guys are I don't know how many hours away, but I feel like you're your next door neighbors. Bro. Wait, right down the way. Just just a little ways right down, down the way. 70. Right down the just way. Just a little That's ways. Right. We just got to yeah. take I-70 for a while. <laughs> we get there. We get there. We get there. Uh, at some point, at some point, it'd be dope to uh, to do a tour out there. Uh, our our friend uh, Darian Cockrell is the Missouri Teacher of the Year. And, uh, uh -huh. you know, it'd be good to catch up with him and, you yeah. know, maybe catch up with you if we're ever out there, man. That'd be man, really same here. If I'm ever in, the, in that area. I'm, I'm Seriously. Sure. Come through. It's Come up. Through. It's up. We'll, we'll, hook up. we'll hook you up with brother Jeff. You can uh you can do some uh you can you know promote your book there, book bar, there's tatter cover, like there's a bunch. So yeah, you know, we yeah. can get you through. But um well so we like to take out the show in a really particular way. I'll talk a little bit, I'll give the signal, and then we all try to say stay dope together. Okay. Um that's kind of what we try to do. We strive to stay dope. So for our guest, author and educator, Jer Armstead Jones. For my partner, Kevin Adams, over here, rocking the mic. I am Gerardo Munoz. It is the evening time, so I wish you rest, wish you decompression, wish you the energy that you need to get through tomorrow, to get through the next days, and to really just be out there. And as Jer says, speak life into these kids. And uh, but more than anything, we wish you to make sure that you always stay, stay dope. dope. All right. <laughs>